just like to see things that like haven't been done. When I can take risks and then I know that I'm expressing myself. I, I never went in on the song so many times. I, I, you know, I listen to everybody. I listen to all kind of music. The truth is in the room. It's it, it. Public Pulse vibes on Instagram, uh, Public Pulse uh, slash, or Patreon slash Public Pulse. I am a mean TMK here alongside Lil Tanky and Akita the Muscle for our 80s part. Uh, we're going to be going through the 15 all the way to the first best songs in the 80s. Go ahead and peep our um, top 30 of the 80s part one so you can hear 30 through 15. Uh, any thoughts from my amazing co-hosts about uh, this, our second 80s episode? I'm excited. It's a good mix of songs. It's weird. The 80s is fucking weird in the best ways. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that it's uh, unique. I want to just say unique. I mean, we have some unique songs on here, and I think this is just, again, it goes back to, uh, uh, you know, I do want to give a shout-out. There was a lot of friends that helped us, you know, covering some of our blind spots, so we want to just give them a big shout-out, too. Of course, we, uh, the Public Pulse team, did, did uh, the bulk of the work, but, of course, uh, our blind spots need to be covered. So uh, shout-out to everyone who helped us with this. Yeah, you know who the fuck you are. You know who you are. Uh, uh, and uh, I'm ready to get started. I think the people want to know. Roll your sleeves up on your blazer and let's get it popping. Number 15, The Miracle, Queen, 1989. Okay, so The Miracle is actually, the, so this is the title track of a larger album uh, called The Miracle. is the 13th, lucky 13, uh, studio album by British rock band Queen. Um, this is, I believe, this is like one of their last um, albums before uh, Freddie Mercury passed. Uh, I really love the lyrics and the message of this song. Uh, but jump in there. Let me know what what's your opinion, what your thought is about not just, uh, you know, this song, The Miracle, which I do love, the album, the band. Queen, what's up? Queen is iconic. We've said that when we were doing the 30 through 14. And even here in the top 15 of the 80s, it's just that Queen remains long-lasting, iconic. It's just something that... I don't know. It's music that I can heavily relate to and also love singing. Shit take chances, you know what I'm saying? Like, they succeeded so many different ways, like really going up against the label, going up against the advice of their management, just giving in to the creativity that they felt in the band, really investing in the band, believing in the band vision. Um, and so you get lots of different looks, right? Like, Miracle isn't what I would expect from We Are the Champions or We Will Rock You, right? You wouldn't think this would be the same kind of band, but, like, motherfuckers got depth, and you got to kind of respect that kind of ingenue, that kind of creativity, that kind of risk-taking, you know? I mean, I just that's what I want to see now, man. How we going to bend these genres? How we going to change the definition of what the expectation of what we should be doing is while still remaining true to ourselves? I think uh, It's a Miracle is a great example of how you can do that shit. Y'all know that I'm a big fan of music that moves me in a political fashion. And this song moves me in a political fashion in a way that maybe some other Queen songs don't. I love 
like the envision a better world energy that this song brings uh in the song some direct lyrics is uh we're all waiting for peace on earth and an end to war it, do you feel like that's still poignant yes. in uh, 2022? Yeah, I yeah. think it is. I absolutely have a, a, a playlist called Hope in a Note that I just play when I am like, oh, everything is depression right now. <laughs> everything is bleak despair. And, I, and this song is absolutely on it because of all the reasons you listed. Number 14, Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos. Public Enemy, 1989. Uh, we have our second entry here with Public Enemy. Again, I just want to reiterate, when it comes to the 80s and when it comes to rap music in the 80s, uh, we're talking about NWA and we're talking about Public Enemy. That's just me for personally, after going back and listening to the 80s, these are the bands uh, that I felt um, really represented the 80s in terms of the best rap of that new budding era. Uh, this comes out in 1988 in the album. It takes a nation of millions to oh, hold us back. back. What the fuck? Yo, one of the greatest album names of all time, one of the greatest album covers. Shit was wild. Do you know, you may, do you know what piano sample in Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos? Do you know where that piano sample is from? I do not. That would be Isaac Hayes, Hyperbolic Syllabic, oh, Seska yeah. De La Miskit from 1969's Hot Butter Soul, which, by the mm. way, made our 60s list. So how full circle... How beautiful fact. is this now finding its way back into the 80s? And then this song gets sampled again later by both motherfucking Tricky outside of Massive Attack coming up maybe in a decade later. You may later. see them. Damn. And Portishead. Like, this song already giving homage to a motherfucking Hall of Fame song. And then in and of itself, it goes on to have a life of infamy of its own. What more can you ask for from a fucking song? Yeah, and so also it samples Living for the City by Stevie Wonder, who also made, not that song, but Stevie Wonder, of course, made our list. I mean, again, more reaching back, you know, more, um, I think we talk about that with the Gen X, right? This is smack dab, middle of Gen X. Reaching back as they do. Gen X always looks back to create the the art of, and forward. They look at, they the fucking fulcrum, man. We can give and we can take. Number 13. If I was her girlfriend, Prince, 1987. Okay, so this is an alert. Do I have to do this alert every time is for it, the man? Is it kinky shit alert? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you should do the alert. Is it purple butterflies well, and Batman alerts? Yeah, it is, because that's only one alert that you get. But the alert, this is a decade hopper. We saw uh, Prince in the 70s. We already seen him. This song, y'all, this song has some freaking lore, okay? It was huge, huge in the U.K., but didn't really pop like that in the United States. I wonder why that might be. Yeah. Um, musically, the song features Prince's pitched-up androgynous vocals over a sparse bass and drum machine pattern. Uh, this, again, I'm just going through lists everywhere, you know, everywhere. Uh, uh, thoughts on this one before I start getting into maybe some of the, 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 the nitty-gritty. I mean, the song is beautiful, right? But this is what I got to say. 
we have somebody like Prince as early as the 80s, right? Again, the music he was making in the 70s, he definitely would have been fucking canceled. He definitely would have been canceled. But by the time he's reached the 80s, he's reached a level of maturity where now, you know what I'm saying, he's doing all of this work to detangle expectations of gender, intimacy, romance, you know what I'm saying? But then we still got motherfuckers trying to act like black men ain't trying to interrogate what our position is and all of this power struggle. Like, you have to add someone like Prince into your praxis so that you can begin to see how, as a culture, even in the midst of all of this fuck shit, we still trying to work it out on our own. In the 80s, Prince ain't read no fucking bell hooks. He working this shit out on his own. And by the way, he's like 17, you know? I mean, he's 17. Uh, Yeah, don't jump in there. Oh, no, I was just going to say, even when you're reading the lyrics, it's also, we talk about this, right, how Americans in particular feel exceptionally isolated and don't know how to make those connections or how to define intimacy outside of sex. And these lyrics, because, yeah, we could say it's absolutely sensual, but some of the lyrics are like, look, would you let me wash your hair? Could I make you breakfast? sometimes can we watch go to a movie and cry together like that has nothing to do with sex that's just i want a connection with somebody and he's trying to explore it and define it and that's one of the reasons i love this song because it is an exploration of what do we ask out of our relationships versus what do we need let's talk about some fun things about this song so i was your girlfriend was covered by TLC, uh, you know, uh, which, uh, look, hey, you may see. You may see. I don't know. Mm. I don't know what you, what's going on, but uh, Crazy Sexy Cool, we, I think we can all acknowledge Come on. We're in a great classic all the time. Mob Deep sampled them, okay? Jay-Z and Beyonce, I'm Bonnie and Clyde. There's a reference to If I Was Your Girlfriend, okay? Prince is actually credited as one of the, one of the writers. Tupac sampled a live performance of If I Was Your Girlfriend for his song Thugs Get Lonely 2, the title, peep this, man. We got nothing but universe today. The title is also a nod to another Prince composition called Gigolos Get Lonely 2, performed by Morris Day and the Time. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? It like Bruh. like Prince. The music game is not the same without Prince. It doesn't evolve to what it became today without Prince. He is unerasable from music in general. And this is what we're trying to trying to get at as we look at people as complex human beings. Uh, you know, th- this is in... Motherfuckers out there playing with this concept, I'm not a biter, I'm a writer for myself and others. What? Nigga, Prince was that nigga. George Clinton sampled this song. You know what I mean? How about this? Uh, I was your girlfriend appears in Demi's, Demi Moore's striptease. Like, mm. this thing is just doing so mm. much work. Respect the man, the myth, the legend, Prince. Number 12, The Pleasure Principle. Janet Jackson, 1987. It's the 80s. There's a certain family with a certain ingenue. A child, talent of such immense power. What do we see? Oh, you thought it was the other one? Yeah, I think they. I think they were thinking about Michael. I think they were thinking about Michael. Um, you know, again, I, that's a conversation. That's a conversation. But to me, what Janet is doing, uh, it, it feels less. 
um, less filtered, you know, less uh, seen through like kind of. Remember we talked about the Whitney Houston thing. Man, black or, girl joy up in this motherfucker, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Janet really was uh, out here, kind of trying to create that lane, you know what I mean? And it wasn't falling back on any laurels. Uh, so the pleasure principle um, was. Let's see, this is 1986 on the third studio album, Control, which is a classic. Another a brilliant fucking album, man. Just not, not just the album, but the album art. I, I'm such a fucking sucker for that shit. Good album covers fuck with me. Control, where she's like in the little pose and she look like a fucking exclamation point. That shit cool as shit. So, <laughs> I hate to just keep bringing this up, but uh, do you want to talk a little bit about maybe Jimmy Jam? Oh, Terry Jimmy Lewis. Jam and Terry Lewis, you yeah. mean? The motherfuckers from the motherfucking time? Yeah, exactly. The motherfuckers from Paisley motherfucking Park? Yes, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because this- Prince part- had a little fucking dynasty, man. Y'all don't understand fingers and everything. Prince is here. Right? Yeah. They trying to act like they they do so much trying to blow up this fucking rivalry between Prince and motherfucking MJ. But look at this, man. Prince Paisley Park sound is out through all this shit. Janet got her best records ever fucking with these Prince people. Yeah, let's talk about Janet, though. Uh, Real hot girl shit. The pleasure principle. Um, uh, you know, again, man, the 80s, man, they have a lot of fun dance stuff. They have a lot of sexy stuff. Janet is, we talk about, you know, sex appeal. We talk about that. Janet is at the tip top right now. You're talking about the production. You're talking about her vocals, the energy she's bringing to this track. Um, I mean, she was, I mean, to me, like, like we said, to me, she was running the game here. Janet was bopping and whopping, you know what I'm saying? So that Megan Thee Stallion can motherfucking twerk. I mean, literally, it's a straight line from hot girl Janet to motherfucking high girl Megan, man. And, like, just incredible joy owning their own shit. Break, think about for Janet, too, right? The fucking pressures. Because all the shit we know that Michael was under, you think she wasn't? She got the same fucking dad, too, man. You think Michael the only one getting the wrath at that fucking house? Everyone getting the wrath in that fucking house. You know what I'm saying? So then when you name an album Control, it's a yeah. physical reiteration. Like, nah, I'm in control of this shit. I'm taking control of my own fucking life. I'm making my own decisions. That's praxis that's coming through in the fucking art. Yeah, I remember this is sort of coming off like this velvet rope tour, this like incredibly uh, like like iconic tour that Janet was doing. And I just think she was absolutely running that mid to well, late see, the 80s. The thing game. is, man, and the scuttlebutt was that she had, had a little kid. Her and one of them uh, motherfuckers, what the fuck was their name? Oh, it was the Puerto Rican group. Everyone loved them. Oh, shit. I Man, can't. let's get the crack team on it. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, the Velvet Road Tour live at Madison Square Garden. That was on HBO, by the way. So um, there was so many people the that were in there. My bad. The Barge, mm. who kind of had their own little fucking thing. I mean, they was the slick, kind of Puerto Ricans, kind of black, kind of chest out, sexy ass. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Janet met one of them The Barge motherfuckers and had a baby. You know what I'm saying? That was always the scuttlebutt. She kind of disappeared and was like off on some shame shit. And then so mm. again, right, coming back with control, it's like, oh, look, I'm taking control of these narratives. I don't give a fuck what y'all trying to say about my life. Yeah, the industry, man. 
I, I mean, I'll tell you this. So many of the artists that have been on here have are just enemies of the way the industry works. And I love that. And there's a reason, I think, why these people make our list, you know, because at the end of the day, you're really not interested in just being thrown into a pipeline. And I can imagine how someone like Janet could have fallen so easily into, well, here's a, a pipeline you can just kind of go go with. And, you know, she, she made that decision over and over and over and over again to do her own thing. And you got to respect that. Number 11, something I can never have. Nine Inch Nails, 1989. So what alert is this? What alert is that? What is this genre that I'm, uh, that we are now, I don't want to say introducing, but uh, what, what do you call this? I would say it's industrial. Industrial alert. Nine inch nails. Something Let's that, fucking go. 1989, again, I think what we're starting to see, Pleasure Principles, 87, 87 for I Was Your Girlfriend. Public Enemy 89, Queen 89. So what we're starting to see here is this early 90s uh, influence kind of... It's bedrock, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's that as um, the foundation for what's about to happen in the 90s. Mm, yeah, that exploration of sound, but also of so many feelings. It's a lot of emotions <laughs> in this song. Right, but exactly the opposite of The Cure, right? Whereas, like, Robert Smith is, like, sad in his love, right? Motherfucking Trent Reznor is inconsolate in his fucking lost love. I just—this <laughs> is when you realize your playlist picks reveal way too much about yourself. I'm feeling that with this song. I had no idea that this was covered by Flyleaf. I don't know. I, I don't know if y'all have ever listened Wait, to Wait, wasn't Flyleaf. that the Christian band? Yeah, I secretly liked Flyleaf. So there's like, like hey, bit. Jesus love I don't secretly, <laughs> I don't secretly like them. I love Flyleaf. It's weird because like, I didn't know they were a Christian band until yeah. someone told me and then I was like... Ah, everything now makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's secretly all about Jesus. Whoopsie. Whoopsie, I was learning. A Muslim was learning about yeah, Jesus. Remember, That's what rock and roll can do for you. Yeah, but you know, they did it with the rock. I did like the their sound. And you can tell how it's influenced by and inspired by Nine Inch Nails. But, it, but this is something different, though. This is something different. And this is their debut, right? I mean... This is the day Pretty Hate Machine. What an incredible What a title. fucking title, man. And again, another crazy album cover. What I love about it is Trent Reznor is at the fucking edge, man. You just pass the sadness. You pass, You know, you're talking about the stages of grief. Trent Reznor is something I can never have. The music is haunting. It's foreboding. It's sad. It's it's. He's standing at the fucking cliff, man, and he's looking down, and it is the fucking abyss. And he's like, the abyss was always inevitable. Wow. Okay, we've learned so much about you. <laughs> Thank you, man. Tell us more. Uh, just a couple things here I think y'all might appreciate. Uh, ever seen the movie Natural Born Killers? Of course. Of course, yes, that would be uh, Oliver Stone. Uh, we hear this song uh, in that as well as, I know this is one of your favorite super extra convoluted shows uh, on the HBO series Westworld. Oh, it's uh, fabulous. Two, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so two incredible placements uh, for this song. Uh, you're going to see 
you know, you know, this type of music, this sound kind of take off in the 90s. So it's really kind of cool that we got it to uh, slide right in here to the 80s. Number 10, Anita Baker, Sweet Love, 1985. So from literally Nine Inch Nails, we're going to come to what may be the greatest cleaning up Sunday morning song. Oh my God, I can smell a fucking pine song. <laughs> of already. all time. Uh, Sweet Love from the second studio album of Anita Baker's Rapture. Uh, this is one of the ones I kind of was like, I liked it, but I was very surprised that other people felt similar to this. Look, it's, man, it's hard to listen to Anita Baker for me as a black man and not hear my mom. You know what I'm saying? That takes nothing away from the fact that this is just one of the most incredibly gifted sonic voices. It, it's almost like um, the next version you know, coming from um, who who did uh, in the in the sixties um, the radical Nina. You know what I'm saying, Nina, Nina Sim- Simone. Nina Simone. She's got that deep husky soulfulness, and it's such the opposite, right, of this nine inch nails. Because sweet love, bitch, it's all going right. It's all going right. You in the honeymoon phase. You just motherfucker might have literally hung the fucking moon man. You know this feeling. You know this feeling you have where you're all lovey-dovey and you're just so happy to be sitting in love with someone that you love and who loves you. And, uh, you know, the world is a cynical place, but we all can come back and sit in that feeling, that feeling of being in love. Number nine. Debut. EU. 1988. All right, I have an alert. I have a unique alert because the 80s is unique, y'all. This is a go, go alert. Yes, that's right. Live from DC. Um, Let's talk about. uh, Let's talk about the butt by um, EU, aka Experience. Unlimited, one of the greatest dance songs, if not the best dance song of the 80s. Um, this, I I think, can really be, uh, can't really be talked about unless we talk about the, I'm sorry, the 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 film for the soundtrack uh, that this song is on from School Days. Yo, it's one of the wildest parts of that fucking movie, man. Look, I, I don't know what y'all's relationship with Spike Lee is. It was interesting, at least in the 80s when he was trying to do very kind of blackity black black art. Um, you know what I'm saying? So, like, this is the adventures of motherfuckers in the HBCU for a lot of parts of America. This was probably the first time ever seeing, you know, HBCU culture in a in a movie. You know, if you black, you probably was listening, you know, looking at the, um, another world. You know what I'm saying? A different world. A different world, my bad. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, right? But, like, again, that wasn't something a lot of white people was watching or checking for in the 80s so now you getting this and now you getting dc where all hbcus that are not in the south you know are in like fucking the whole kind of that culture that 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 whole man go-go is such you don't know dc until you know go-go and this the go-go song i I remember in the sixth grade going to my school dance praying somebody would grind on me. That's what I was hoping for. That's what I desired. And again, I, for me, it's like, as an as a artist myself and as a musician myself, 
It's very important for us to acknowledge the ways that sexuality and intimacy and, you know, just partying and doing wild boy or wild gal or wild, you know, whatever gender uh, shit. And this song is genuine in that. And I mean, it's just infectious. DC go-go culture. I don't think it'll ever, you know, not be a part of it. Mochella, you know, if you're here, if you know, you know. And um, Experience Unlimited just just gave us a great song. And, uh, you know, Spike Lee gave us a great movie. Number eight. Damn Your Eyes. Etta James. 1989. Okay, so I have an alert, y'all. This is so interesting. We have a decade hopper alert. And what I mean when I say that not only did this person decade hop, they hopped over a whole decade. You thought chess was done? No, they're not done. Chess is back, bitch. We're not done. And by the way, 1989, okay? So um, this is just one of them songs that I thought was a complete surprise. We were all just—it was one of those things where Tanky was like, you know— And there's one song I just think I remember— that I, my mom listened to. I, I can't remember who you said it was. And you just kind of pulled it out of nowhere and everybody stopped like, oh my goodness. Oh, this is the song. This is grown ass, grown ass woman shit right here. This is, you been there type situation. You are done with this person. You finished with them. Can't deal. They've been driving you crazy. And you want to be over with it. And then they turn and they look at you. And all you can say is, Damn your ass. Damn them. And it brings you back in there. Taking my breath away. Um, Two years later, this was covered by Sinead O'Connor. Okay, I just want to put that out there. Man, Etta, stay with the blues. Look, Etta fucking gangster, B. Uh, Yeah, you could hear it in the song. She's like, damn your eyes. Damn you for making me want to stay. And you're like, oh, yeah, she's going to fuck you up. Yeah, she definitely feel like I probably pop your ass. Yeah, I mean, it's the opposite of Anita, right? Right. Anita telling you it's sweet love. I mean, you just, you feeling so good. You wrapped up in it. And this is the opposite. This is. Look at how love is fucking you up in all these. I mean, not to add, you know, fucking fuel to your fire and shit, but like. You know, it's got it's got Robert Smith fucked up in the cure. You know what I'm saying? It's got motherfucking nine inch nails like looking off into the fucking abyss and shit. Yeah, that's all these I different like, manifestations. This playlist reveals way too much. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you okay. can't write. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh wait, <laughs> your regrets. Number seven, the letter to fee, 1982. So I have an, uh, another alert. Again, a very unique decade we are here. Uh, instrumental alert. This is a real, um, what, what do you call them? Like, when you, like, this is really digging in the crates for us. This may be the most digging in the crates kind of yeah. song that we ever put on any of these because I think all of us were kind of still interested in, like, representing the best artists of the decade kind of more than just the song in particular. And we're, like, trying to figure out which one of those songs is the best song of that artist, which was the artist of the decade. We kind of went to that well a lot, but this one I feel like was just purely on a song, purely based on the song. Yeah, I mean, do y'all have any thoughts? I mean, I, I promise y'all if you go out and you listen to it, you're going to enjoy it. It's instrumental, which is, you know, I mean, it's great because I love listening to instrumental music. It just flows in the background. Um, but then even Dufy is a wild group when you look at their, how they came together and you're like this sounds like a conspiracy theory Dufui is the brainchild of UK based duo Simon Fisher Turner and Colin Lloyd Tucker 
they dressed up as women, I guess, or I, I mean, I'm not sure exactly why or what it was. I mean, of course, you can dress up however the fuck you want, in my opinion. But, you know, people kind of didn't know who they were, and they kind of just came about uh, like a, a number of the projects that emerged from the UK during that period. Dufuis, like, doesn't even sound like any of those people. I, I, I If you want, I'm not going to go through the whole story because, again, this would really take an entire podcast. Peep, you know, just do your own research kind of situation. Uh, read up about them because it's kind of like a stranger than fiction sort of sort of tale about like a bunch of you know look but look European white guys I mean they're just all weird but uh, they came together to create a great instrumental song I will be mature and not make weird jokes about French words (laughs) (laughs) right like like, yeah you just don't pronounce like 80% of the letters that's all do yeah Duke's Phyllis. Duke's Phyllis. Oh. <laughs> That's one of my five. Duke Phyllis. Put them on right now. I love that. Number six. Through the Fire. Shaka Khan. 1984. Okay, so we have another decade hopper. We saw this person in the 70s with uh, Rufus, uh, the, their band. Um, Through the Fire. Yes. Um, again, I think Shaka very important for many reasons, this could be. This is another one of those. I mean, shit, man, it's the song that launched Kanye. Shit. Yeah, it's so it's interesting that you you mentioned that because when I was doing some research, I'm sorry, when the crack team was doing the research, I, I don't do research. You see, I'm the producer that's here. Correct, that's correct. Um, so this is literally this is literally like this week. This is like this week. Um, Shaka Khan uh, was performing in Boston. Uh, she was doing uh, interview and. The I guess she said she did not like the way Kanye pitched her vocals up. Um, quote, that's what Kanye did with his music. I was upset about sounding like a chipmunk because he didn't put that. He didn't put that when he asked me, could he use the sample of my song? He didn't mention he was going to speed it up three times the normal speed. If he had, I would have had something to say. But since I don't think of that, believe me, I think of it now. Um, So this is not the first time she came out and she said this, you know, and I don't want to make this song about Kanye. That's totally fair. You know, I mean, but, um, you know, I do think that that, you know, is kind of where where the song is. But this song in particular, Through the Fire, I think, again, just a a gorgeous song, a a real song. It's kind of shocking grown now and moving away it's from about Rufus. How, how you willing to love somebody and what you willing to go through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Before this shit implode, before we lose this shit, you need to understand I'm with you. I'm willing to go through the fucking fire with you. You know, to wherever the fuck. I mean, this bitch on some Mount Doom kind of ride or die shit, man. <laughs> right. What the fuck, man? I love it. And she fine as shit. And, mm-hmm. and, and Black Panther. And, and, and Chicago. I have been biologically bred to be in love with Shaka Khan. Yeah, no, no natural defenses. And uh, again, I, I think, like I said, decade Hi, hopper. Mistake body. How you doing? Yeah, look, um, Lil Tanky Dad could on Instagram if you listen to Shaka. Shoot your <laughs> shot. You never know what could happen. Michael Jordan said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. All right. Any more thoughts? I take that personal. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Number five. More bounce to the ounce. Zap. 1980. All right, so this is a this is an alert. Uh, this is the alert that I gave to Sonic Youth. I thought I think that it belongs here. 
way ahead way of its ahead. time alert. Yo, is this song maybe the most sacred song in Black Frats? Okay, you got that. In motherfucking bar in uh the cookout culture. You know what I'm yes. saying? Motherfucking Sunday cookout, everybody out at the fucking park. Old motherfuckers out there with the grills and shit. The 80s is full of great cookout music. We just went through Through the Fire. We also have The Butt. We also have Sweet Love. We also have, what are, what are we, like, if we go down into the 80s again, I don't want to give you too much spoilers for, but but the, it's out, so go and listen to it. Uh, we got Sade. Uh, we got uh, Soul to Soul. Uh I mean, you know, this is this is a cookout playlist, too, as well. And uh, this song, I feel like, again... You know the thing about this song, man? It's 1980, bro. At 1990, it still was ahead of its time. You would think... I mean, like, now we would just throw this shit through a fucking modulator and have that shit, right? This shit is analog, man. He's making this shit happen before you can just go ahead in the motherfucking Pro Tools, throw a couple fucking filters in there. You know what I think about? This is who the fuck Daft Punk thought they were. Facts. Like, y'all not even as good as Roger and Zab, and I gotta be talking about Daft Punk. Like, to me, what, what he's doing here 20-some years before Daft Punk enters the scene, you're talking about the talk box. Now... Oh, boom, because we're going to be talking about a lot about uh, rap music in the, in the uh, 90s, by the way. I don't know if you notice all these Roger and Zap samples and all this music, their, their influence, Roger Troutman's influence all throughout rap music from the West Coast in the 90s, in the late 80s. This music lives on forever. It was number two in the R&B singles in 1980. Again, so unique. I shit cool as fuck, man. I just remember, like, what What do they mean about that? What more bounce to the Alps? What does that mean? And my cousin's like, yo, man, it's about beer. I'm like, really? I, I, but no, nah, just everything about it, man, it's just, it's unique. It's an experience. It's the heart of blackness. If you're trying to understand black culture, you've never, you've always been looking for what is the clue, like, what's going to help me really get it? More bounce. Do, do you remember, hey, do you remember the, um, the Atlanta episode where we were watching where... Hell yeah, you can't get a scholarship. Yeah, and like... Bitch, this fuck around, you can't answer no Rogers. Get yeah. this motherfucker the fuck out of here. Right, right, and go back also, you know, podcasts is how I tell time. We have a great Why You Should Watch Atlanta Why podcast as well. So go ahead and put those together. Uh, real quickly, uh, this song is featured in the 1990 film Any Given Sunday. That's uh, one I love to love and love to hate. Uh, also, Grand Theft Auto Vice City had to put this thing up in there as well. Um, because why? It's a great song. 1980. Um, zap. Number four. The Kiss. The Cure. 1987. So this is a decade. Hopper alert. Um, I don't know what... What I don't want to say too much. I want to hand this off to Lil Tanky, but I do think that Look, this is got to be. Know. They know. I'm they right. Know. If we're talking about the cure, you gotta give it to me. Like Robert Smith is a motherfucking G. Maybe the most emotional, emotive, complicated white vocalist we ever get. One of the greatest frontmen of all time. If you need to understand what intimacy is, what desire is, what angst is, what loathing and longing still is, 
in one fucking moment, man. Go to the kiss. The fucking guitar gonna have you fucked up for two minutes before he even come in and bless you with that pain. Three minutes. Three and 50 seconds. Fucking play minute. a pimp. Oof. For a six-minute song. Are like, you kidding oof. me? <laughs> yeah, that's why it was interesting. You're like Robert's vocals, and I'm like the vocals that don't come in until ha- half the song. Oh, you gotta is over. earn them shits, yeah, bro. Yeah, he does make you. And also the the theatricality of it. It's a song that tells a story, and it just it's a fascinating story. It's a roller coaster, like the road when it's going up. Like, do y'all go to Six Flags and do the Superman? Have have y'all seen that where it's like literally like a third of the whole roller coaster is you just going straight up, straight up. Straight. I feel like that's what this song does. You're just going straight up, straight up, and then you dive into Robert Smith's lyrics. Here's just, the thing, Ooh. man. The Cure, a lot like Radiohead. They have these super hits, right? And you hear The Cure, and you think, Friday, I'm in love, which, again, I love that song. No no diss for that. But this is—you're not prepared. Like, if all you know about The Cure is Friday, I'm in love, you're not ready for the kiss because it's going to fuck your mind up. It's like when you go to Radiohead and you listen to Creep, and now you find yourself in Paranoid Android, which we may be talking about a little bit later. <laughs> not gonna be prepared for it because all you've got is the commercial shit. That's not the real shit. That's not the heart of the cure. I don't know if you get this, but I get this all the time. And look, I agree that I do this. You, you ever get this? You just don't like things because they're popular. Um, yeah, that's true for me. Like, I can't lie. Like when Most of the me, time shit is popular because it's pre-digested can, and shit. Can, what's the most popular restaurant in America? <laughs> Applebee's, McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's. No, no. Taco Bell. S- yeah, well, it was. It is Taco Bell, but it was Subway. Oh, so you're talking about Taco shit. Bell took the crown, yeah. <laughs> you know what the highest selling, uh, the, the person with the most streams in, uh, in, in music right now? It's Taylor Swift. Yeah. Okay. So th- the thing is, is... Usually when everybody can identify with it, um, nobody can identify I'm with it. I'm not saying nothing real, nothing to possibly offend anybody. Yeah, and that's, I think, the the issue that we have sometimes. And I have I have a kind of natural biases against the most popular. And look, you already heard that one, okay? You know, like, let, let's give us, let's, let me give you one that's more intense, more of a deeper cut that and you're going to appreciate. We're giving credit for Prince, right, for the ways that he defies gender expectation. A little bit of love for Robert Smith, too, right, who's... To the best of my knowledge, uh, head, right? But, like, fucking challenging all these expectations of gender performance, what emotional uh, masculinity looks like, what, what intimacy looks like from these perspectives. I mean, playing with makeup in ways where it's like, look, bro, I'm going to do what the fuck I do. Okay, you do your shit. This is the first song on the album entitled Kiss Me. Kiss me, kiss me. It is the opener on uh, their their tour that that came later called the Kissing Tour. I mean, we talk about like that sad boy Shit. romantic, that gothic the kind weekend, of feeling. Like this nigga spitting. Seriously, you have to look at the weekend as you know. I don't want to say influenced by by um, the Cure. I don't know that for a fact, but definitely this is the same sort of genre. And I again, I see why you 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 resonate with me, uh, resonate with it. And again, I resonated with it. I'm so glad we did this because I didn't have the Cure, um, you know, before this. Like like you said, their most popular song. Yeah, of course I've heard, but you know, this one, ooh, this one's different. This doesn't sound shit like that shit that you heard in the '70s. It was great in the '70s, but now it's the matured and the sound is done with somewhere totally different. Number three. 
Hands All Over, Soundgarden, 1989. Okay, so let's talk about uh, another alert, decade hopper alert. Uh, we've already heard from this band um, this decade, but, but here we are again. again. Chris Cornell, God dang rock and roll God. Maybe you know? the sexiest man that ever lived. I mean, like him or Jason Momoa or some shit. This song, again, is not just foundational for what's coming in the 90s, but it is truly the bedrock that comes to become the alt-rock movement. Nobody in the 80s sounds like this. In the 80s, you're supposed to look like Metallica. Or you're supposed to be, at best, Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know what I'm saying? You're supposed to be motherfucking Guns N' Roses. This don't sound shit like this. This is the West Coast version of what's happening, you know what I'm saying, with, with Sonic Youth. Now you have Soundgarden on the other side of the country, and it's dark, and it's foreboding, it's powerful, it's young, it's sexy, it's dangerous. We get it slipping right here in the 80s, which again, just just kind of pumps the 80s back up a little bit more, um, because A, the 90s wouldn't have been you know as successful as it was if it wasn't for the Soundgarden's the Sonic Youths doing the work, the public enemies doing the work in the 80s that bring this, you know, this huge, um, you know, force of music in the 90s. Number two, Who Wants to Live Forever? Queen, 1986. Okay, so we have an alert. Uh, this is the artist of the decade. So as we do when we have an artist of the decade, I pass it over uh, to Muscle Chief. Yeah. Chief Muscle. person that must <laughs> yeah. be kept away from flamethrowers. Uh, art <laughs> artist of the decade. I'm going to pass it to Keita to Muscle. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Queen. I mean, there's so much that we can say about Queen, honestly. We've been talking about them. There's a reason they appear on our list so many times. Um, but Queen, of course, has broken records because of, as we talk about, their popularity. Uh, in Argentina, they had the biggest crowd of any concert with 300,000 people. What? No one's ever going to be able to do that shit again, man. That's an unbreakable record. Stadium fucking rock. <laughs> That's Will Say Chamberlain that number 100. Again. 300? With more than 300,000 people. That's the population of fucking Little Rock. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, it spent the most time on the UK album charts. Uh, it gives it in weeks, which is fascinating, which is about more than 1,300 weeks, which is equivalent to 26 years. Queen's music video for I Want to Break Free was banned from NTV for being too controversial. The reason why it was too controversial... The band was dressed in drag, and it was like, oh, no. God forbid he uh, act the way that he lives his fucking life. You want my music, MTV but you was don't like, want... Nah. I, MTV. You know, MTV wasn't a lot of that bullshit. People wow. don't think it, because it's... they were so cool. I guess they was kind of whack. Huh? Yeah, but they were the... See, that's the thing, right? Because people position themselves Branding. as, well, I am the cool one. Mm. And then people yeah. forget the history. Like, MTV wasn't perfect. <laughs> uh Oh, and then what I really found fascinating is because we talk about Queen, the sound of Queen, right? There's something that's immediately recognizable as a Queen song. Somehow we all know the lyrics to their song. Um, everybody really kind of just jumps up for it. So uh, a team of scientists in 2016 wanted to study Freddie Mercury's voice. They identified that his vocal cords moved at a faster rate than the average person's vocal cords. The average person... Uh, has a typical vibrato that will fluctuate between 5.4 hertz and 6.9 hertz, but Mercury's was at 7.04 hertz. And so it's 
the way scientifically he engineered was born to fuck you up. is just yeah yeah i was like oh yeah you were blessed you were blessed freddie mercury with a voice that was meant to move all of us we want to talk a little bit about this song though tanky like this one in specific here we are again with love here we are again. It's the it, it's what leads you. It's the, it, it, if instead of Trent Reznor, you like ah, it's the apocalypse. Fuck it. It was always supposed to be this way. Do you want to? Who wants to live forever? It's you didn't have no idea, right? It's Aragorn dead with Gala- with a uh, what's her name? Fucking um, the elf. The fuck? You know, I don't be remembering Elf Lords, bro. Not like you. You and Caliber. Sorry, let's get the crack team. Erwin? Erwin, yeah, right? Who wants to live forever? Well, Aragorn is dead. This is this shit that your dad was trying to warn your simple ass about? Right? <laughs> oh, my God. And now you are that here. That is the blackest response Three. ever. I warned your simple ass. <laughs> I warned your simple ass. The Thanks, Numenorian dad. would die. <laughs> you know? And this is that song, man. It's, it's about... What happens when the love of your life is gone? When you don't believe that you'll ever have access to a greater love than the love that has just left you, right? Just this deep sadness that you have on all of that shit. Freddie rips your heart out, right? And then you add on top of that the 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 very real reality. He's probably writing this song about the time he gets the news. You know what I'm saying? And so he's having to deal with his own fucking mortality as this song plays. It's impossible to hear this song and to have any understanding of love and not be fucking destroyed by this. A 2005 poll conducted by digital television station Music Choice on, so this is a Britain, British uh, organization Music Choice. Uh, What song would you like most played at your funeral? This was the fifth most popular song. So that's uh, the, the kind of that macabre of it. Uh, just to, to bring the mood up a little bit, I have an interesting tidbit uh, about this. You know, if you listen to us, we're big Dune fans. Okay, big Dune fans. Uh, the German band Dune released their cover of "Who Wants to Live for Album," uh, li- "Who Wants to Live Forever" from their album "Forever" as a single in October 1996. Did you know there was a band in Germany called Dune? I did not. Yes, well, I'm bringing information to you. Yeah, yes, this what I fan. do. <laughs> no, no, no. So, uh, yo, y'all, this is a song too. We only got one song left. What could it be? Number one, Rhythm Nation, Janet Jackson, 1989. Janet Jackson at the top. Who did you think it was? Rhythm Nation. The it, real Jackson that ran the 80s. Fuck what you hurt. No, you need to put some respect on her name. Some fucking respect on her name. Yeah, Rhythm Nation uh, is a song by American singer Janet Jackson released as the second single from the fourth studio album, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. Uh, written and produced with Janet Jackson and also... Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, the aforementioned. Once again, Paisley Park out there serving motherfucking slam thunks. You know what I'm saying? This is funny because it's an interesting time in music. In 89, you know, everybody all up on Madonna shit. Here comes Janet. Like, nah, bitch, I'm the queen of this sex shit. 
I'm the one that got this whole shit. I'm telling you, man, every black girl in America was bopping the motherfucking Rhythm Nation. All of my sisters loved it. All of their friends fucking loved it. All of the girls that I loved loved it. Every This shit was a movement, man. Like, throughout the whole shit. I mean, and then she had a whole fucking, it was Rhythm Nation or 1819 or some shit 18, like that. 1814. 1814, right? And, like, it was this whole thing. Like, everybody was trying to figure out what is the 18, what is the 14. Motherfuckers was writing fucking essays. Well, in 1814, you know, this is the beginning where, you know, slavery is starting to diminish and all this bullshit, man, trying to figure out what was even the iconography for it. Come to find out, you know, rhythm is the 18th letter. Nation in is the 14th letter and shit. But, like... That's how you know you got a real fucking uh, zeitgeist, man. Everybody trying to understand, damn, what is the depth to, this, to where this motherfucker's mind is going, man? I had, I, I had no idea. That's that's so cool. That's real, like, you know, I, I definitely would see, like, someone like Frank Ocean, kind of that cryptic nature, and then it's like, kind of being nothing, you know, taking from Janet. <laughs> I totally see that. Um, I mean, we already—several artists have talked about this song in particular— uh, including Beyonce, Rihanna, Sierra, which is interesting because Beyonce didn't reach back for Janet. She reached back for Madonna. Madonna. Interesting. Um, but yeah, again, uh, this was tons of accolades all over the place. Again, I like popular things, okay, when they're amazing. When they're uh, fucking amazing. BMI Pop Awards for Most Played Song of 1989. So that's how to let you know how hot this thing was. was everywhere, man. Uh, Janet nominated for Producer of the Year. Um, I mean, the music video off off the freaking charts. Everything she was doing back then, the, the lyrics, the message, the performances, the videos. I mean, this is as high, maybe the highest talent level, at least in terms of at that time for any pop artist ever in the game. Um. Any any more thoughts on Janet? This song about the '80s in general, y'all. We did it. We made it. We made Incredible. it through the '80s. Three decades down. '60s, '70s. Got you that real shit on the '80s. Guess what's next? The best decade maybe ever for music. Maybe. As you see, they're already trying to sway you. Maybe. You know what I'm they're already swayers. Uh. Patreon slash Public Pulse. We got deals. Lowest $5. You can get all these playlists plus our Extendo playlist. Uh, there may be some songs you see on that you love that weren't on here. See if they're in the Extendo. We the motherfucking culture, man. Do what you can for the motherfucking culture. We out here in the crates. For you. Uh, we love the people. We serve the people. Public Pulse vibes on Instagram. Give us a follow. Uh, see what we're doing. See all of our different uh, playlists. Um, yeah. We out this bitch. I mean, TMK, Lil Tanky, Key to the Muscle, Public Pulse, drink some water, smoke some weed, and uh, love yourself. We out. It was like, oh, wait, <laughs> your regrets?